exclusively on the Pod Station. Welcome listeners to another episode of Disco Fever, Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery, Episode 5, Die Trying, and once again the two marks are delivering an irreverent review, providing you lively debate, conversation and social commentary. Has Discovery worked out they can use transporters rather than shuttles to visit planets? Has Carl Fredrickson from Pixar's Up joined Section 31? Has Narn bargied her way and popadommed onto the sesame seed vault ship? Has Burnham decided conversation is overrated and phased at everyone? All this and much more will be unpacked in this week's episode. Let me introduce my friend and co-host, Mr. Mark Pollard. Hi, mate. Hello. I'm sat down today, hopefully, to keep my blood pressure a little lower when we talk through these things. I feel my stress levels are unnecessarily rising too high when we do these shows, for no good reason. The past few have been a little bit taut with trauma and unhappiness. Well, the good news is, bar a couple of minor queries, I feel largely positive about this episode although it's ironic because the vibes i'm getting from the sphere of the interweb are that people weren't as keen on this which is strange because these are the kind of episodes i quite like as opposed to the ones like last week which i'm less as keen on which is ironic really because it seems that the rest of the world's the other way around which explains a lot about my life perhaps why that might be the case i like this one slightly better than last week's if i'm honest in fact i learned two things this week to read and write firstly sperm isn't good for your face (laughs) And secondly, my dermatologist has been struck off. But I haven't got a huge rant this week. The past few episodes of these podcasts have been a little bit ranty, but I think reasonably so. This episode, for me, was more in line with what I like. It wasn't a great episode. I like the fact we left the ship. I'm still not convinced because we're in episode five. I think we were treated to a what I think is the longest episode in this season, 55 minutes. But I took a note, 28 minutes in, we were still fannying around. We had a lot of stuff to answer. And as we'll go into this, we'll break it down further. We'll do a deep delve these things will I'm sure present themselves yeah I don't have any major bugbears this week with the exception of Netflix who if you'd like to be a sponsor it's discofever at the podstation.co.uk however I do have a bugbear with their inability to serve me my weekly digest at a consistent time in the day when the Picard episode came out in the UK it was released on Amazon and it was released at midnight on the day that it was due to be which was a Friday so at midnight on Friday in the wee early morning hours if you were so inclined to stay up late you could watch it which I usually did because of course we're doing this show so I watched it and then in the morning I'd watch it a second time with my little notepad to make me three lines of notes and that's kind of how we did it and I was hoping to do the same thing with Discovery which is on Netflix in the UK the problem is Netflix don't seem to want to do any work at midnight because it doesn't come on then so you have to wait till the morning my major bugbear is that there doesn't appear to be a consistent time in that morning when the show arrives last week i'm pretty certain although i didn't clock it but i'm pretty certain i was watching it at half seven to quarter to eight in the morning this morning it gets to seven minutes past eight when it miraculously and suddenly appears give me me goddamn weekly fix at a time that i can at least aim for mentally to prepare myself because the worst thing in the world it's like on christmas day you go downstairs expecting santa to have been on christmas day having 
having delivered them on Christmas Eve. But in actual fact, unbeknownst to you, he's delivering it at two minutes past 12. So little Toby runs into the living room expecting a mountain of gifts, only to find a stark empty room with no love and no Merry Christmas because Santa hadn't dropped it off yet. It's like, well, if you tell him that Santa's not coming till 12, little Toby will stay out of that room. He won't, he'll manage his expectations. I don't know, stay in bed a bit longer. <laughs> and then go down and get his gifts at two minutes past 12. Well, I'm glad you finished that sentence. I thought you were going to say stark naked Santa. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's getting us into all kinds of problems. So, yes, I suppose we should do the administrative stuff before we go further. If you are enjoying this show, then there's something wrong with you. Go seek professional help. I don't know whether you're listening to this on Disco Fever or Picard Talk. We've kind of overly complicated and confused things by having this show on the Disco Fever show because this is the Disco Fever series that we're doing. We also do Picard Talk, which is related to the Star Trek Picard series. We now just throw these episodes on both channels. So if you listen to one or the other, you will get everything. Subscribe. It'll all download. So you don't even have to think about it if this is all too confusing for you. We are on social media. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Go to Picard Talk. That's where you can find us. That's always good. Give us a follow. We're desperate for people to give us some feedback on both the episodes and quite frankly, the show. And to tell us why it is that we are inherently wrong with everything that we say. I'm happy with people telling me this. At least it gives us some good content to discuss. Have we not had any feedback? In fairness, I didn't put a poll out from the last episode because I never got round to doing it. It was my birthday last week. I actually didn't get round to doing it. Well, my whole week was thrown off with basically having breakfast in bed every day because you have birthday weeks, don't you? You do. Well, I do. I did a poll last week and I 100% of people were unhappy that their tent fell down. <laughs> But <laughs> it He's here all week, guys. So, yeah, I didn't actually do one last week, which is probably why we have no comments. But there is one up now. It's right there. If you go to Twitter, you go to our profile page, you'll find that poll. Tell us what you thought of the show. We will read out your comments on the show. If you want to be vile and inappropriate, then provided it's not something that's going to get us into legal trouble, we'll read it out because we are that dumb. If you just want to say how lovely things are, that's cool also because we'll just give you a shout out. If you want to be a sponsor of the show, whether it be Netflix, DHL um, Spec Savers <laughs> All the classics Anyone Anyone Costa Coffee Because Mark likes a nice brew Every now and again Then it's Disco Fever At thepodstation.co.uk If anyone else Wants to send us an email Quite frankly You haven't got enough Better things to do But we're happy to receive them as well If Karen wants to send us An email She can <laughs> <laughs> we love the Karens. Hopefully people will start to get into it and start sending them some comments. Abusers, people. It's <laughs> very rare you get offered out, isn't it? It's like, come on, people, just write in and give us some grief. Bring it on. Yeah, I'm sure we'd manage. Yes. Shall we start with our usual synopsis that, of that's... course, you prepare because this job was taken off of me for good reason? I just inherited it. Well, that's why. <laughs> I, I figured if I did it incompetently enough, you'd start doing it. That's the reason why no one asks me to make cups of tea. Without further ado, after reuniting with what remains of Starfleet and the Federation, the USS Discovery and its crew must prove that a 930-year-old crew and starship are exactly what this new future needs. Discuss. How would you want to proceed with this? Because I'm very happy to freestyle this one. Ooh. Only because I don't think there was enough substance in it. Ooh. Let me just give you some broad strokes. You laying your marker down right there saying that there just wasn't enough content here. No, no, no. I'm going to give the broad strokes of what I think was the content and then we can discuss why this episode wasn't as bad as last week's but wasn't as good as it could have been. Okay. Because I don't think it was a bad episode. Even though we got more time, we squandered it. Are we now good to argue that sometimes less is more? <laughs> 
having argued repeatedly on a weekly basis that we want more time. <laughs> yes, we are. Gonna, we are going to do that, but with good reason. We've got a 55-minute episode. We've also then matched that with more stuff to answer. We've decided what we need to do because I've just made a... Well, while he's looking at those notes, I'm just going to go and make a cup of tea using his hypocrite mug. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think a bit off more than it can do. We get the debrief. We get the seed shit. Hang on, people. He's using his fingers now. Fingers. He's making these points with power and precision and digits. <laughs> to to emphasise the fact, the seed ship, we get Narn's backstory, Burnham's rogue approach to the chain of command, and sadly, I think, with all those things going on... Oh, by the way, we briefly get mentioned about Burnham's mum, and I think the Burn gets mentioned. But with all those things going on, we still... The resulting factor is we do not get a fully cohesive episode that fundamentally answers things that we'd already brought up in episode one we just added more things in then we have another cipher what i referred to in an episode of our sister show picard talk ciphers for those thespians will know that that's a character introduced specifically to move the story on this season has had an abundance of ciphers we've had book we've had apparently Narn, who i only found out in this episode she is in fact head of security i was asking last episode have we got oh i already knew that yeah but i didn't know that because it's not really been mentioned we've got a head of security but we haven't got a head of security (laughs) I was going to freestyle it if you were happy with that. I'm easy going. Going back to our Twitter poll, I was going to, because I'm interested to see where you fit into this, because that's interesting. I'll tell you my thoughts in a second. In the Twitter poll, I've given three options for how people felt about this episode. I tend to mix them up each episode just to give people a variance. The first one is like a confused emoji look, and I've described it as like the version 3188 EMH. So a little bit weird, a little bit irritating, you don't quite get it. I've gone for a smiley face, cool dish functionality. Obviously rifting on the whole suggestion that the crew are really well-oiled machines that work well together, even if it's somewhat dysfunctional. And then I've gone for scratchy chin, conspiracy theory street. Because of course, for me, it seems this episode has creaked ever so slightly opened the door to the theories that ultimately will lead us into the main thread of this season. Because I like this episode. I really enjoy it it's more my star trek episode there's more action there's more interest i don't mind the soft gooey story bit provided it's in and amongst something a bit more exciting a bit more interesting there was lots of good humor i did think it moved the story on a tad but again bearing in mind we're on episode five it doesn't feel they're in any great rush to actually get us to the big bad which now seems to be one of those radio advertisement tunes that you get stuck in your head that you cannot shift for love no money now the whole universe versus suffering from that apparently and that might be the reason for something untoward the burn obviously now i assume the burn is going to be linked to this song theory thing because it has to be otherwise who gives a shit about the burn and why it happened really because it's kind of like it's happened it's done what it's done what's the point in worrying about it move on that's kind of how it feels and then obviously there's other little side stories like section 31 are they going to creep into the uh, season first of all amh's are still dicks well i thought they said they'd evolved it but that one was less evolved than Dr. Zimmerman on the Voyager. Yeah, I just thought, arsehole, if that's what it is in the 32nd century, let's have Dr. Zimmerman. Obviously, Robert Picardo played him, did a really good job, and they did the kind of the Doctor Who thing, didn't they, where he didn't really have a name. And I thought that was quite a nice touch, where that was his quest for the series, wasn't it, to try and think of a name. And it's like, well, actually, now the Doctor is 
what we know you as. One of the good things about it, actually jumping around, I suppose, was the interaction with Giorgio, which I'll come on to later. But I just felt EMH, although in the future have gone back in their, yeah. in their development. Got less personal skills than yeah. they had when they were first introduced. Well, should we start with the intro to this episode? How did you feel about the intro? Because the intro is, of course, we have the coordinates to where Starfleet's main base is now located. End of the last episode, Burnham received or was shown these coordinates by... The Trill woman. Yeah, and she had a look on her face. It's, it was a look of, oh, we've got to go to Vulcan. Oh, shit, we've got to go to uh, Klingon World. I know, should have known the name of it, given to do a Star Trek show. But Kronos. Yeah, Kronos, yeah. thank you. I don't expect you to edit that out and save my blushes. <laughs> You got that impression, didn't you, that we were going to... Actually, it turns out that it's in the middle of some random piece of space that actually didn't warrant that look one way or the other. So, yeah, I was a bit confused by that, but we're coming in to this invisible force fieldy thing. How did you feel? Underwhelmed. Yeah. Kronos or Vulcan. We'd probably be a bit disappointed by the fact that we've been here many times before. In fact, I watched last night Star Trek Into Darkness and the one after. We went to Kronos in Star Trek Into Darkness, so we it's something we keep going back to, you know. But anyway, whether you wanted that or not, I would have liked to have gone somewhere back to the original quadrant they arrived at in episode one. That would have been quite nice to develop that and see the new species. However, anyway, it turns out it's this cloaking field, want for a better word, a little bit underwhelming. Although, I think I've almost completed the top line for my SJW bingo. Go on. Organic ships, refugees. We have floating rainforests. And then last week we had non-binary characters, trans characters, we've got gay characters. And next week I'm predicting vegans gluten free spousal abuse extinction rebellion and maybe Karen's <laughs> I quite liked I didn't mind that I thought the whole force fieldy thing and they're all hidden away nowadays makes sense given the circumstances I quite like the fact that it's sort of a new technology I guess the frustration was that they had these new ships that obviously had all these cool things that they make reference to on the bridge of the discovery but at no point did they pan to the ship to actually give us a proper look if you want to have a look at those ships you've got to rewind pause it and then like squint really hard at your screen in the hope you might be able to see it in the distance and that was disappointing because it's always amazing i mean when i was a kid that was the best part when another starfleet ship had turned up and he'd have the nacelles somewhere different and it's oh cool look at the shape of that one and you'd just be made up wouldn't you and i, love those I feel we missed out on that a little bit it didn't deliver quite and the voyager thing actually irked me a little bit because it was a cheap easter egg of all the ships in the whole universe that have survived it just so happens that we've come across the one that we are intimately familiar with because of a tv series it just felt like someone was giving me a really cheap panda i don't like that we got that in the last season with the enterprise it's like you know you don't have to give me on the nose canon stuff all the time i'm quite happy just to stick within this new world give me new stuff stop harping it back yeah i mean i got that in the easter eggs because there's also a nice little nod to the uss nog yeah well that's nice but that's yeah. sentimental that's yeah. different to the Voyager thing then the other thing is the only way you're going to see the other ships and things that I mentioned which loads of TV and movies do it one notable mention Iron Man or Iron Man 2 on his screen you got to see Wakanda well on the view screen here there's some easter eggs which I've noted down I like things like that but I don't want it to be the reason I tune into the show after watching this episode and after watching the last episode thank god for the Mandalorian that's all I'm going to say just tell a story this one I like personally when we leave the ship when we've both been in lockdown we like to leave the ship don't we there was a little bit more character development there was funny bits I thought it was a funnier episode Giorgio and Rena 
know, if it wasn't for those two, I think I would probably be crying in my cornflakes. One of the things I did identify, I think I finally worked out why Dr. Culber and Stamets grind on me so much. Why? Having seen Dr. Culber in this episode... You see, Culber doesn't grind on me at all. I really like that character. I think he's fab. This is what I was going to go on to say. He, in this episode, I think was good. I've realised why I think they grind on me when they're just in their own environment. So when Dr. Culber's in Dr. Surgery and Stamets is in Engineering or whatever, they're just boring and they're just bimbling around when they're together to talk about the relationship. It's like, I'm not really interested. If I wanted to know about that, I'd watch Love Island. I'm tuning into the show to watch a spaceship in the future and the technology that's associated. The reason why I got excited about Stamets a couple of episodes ago and I got excited about Dr. Culber this time is when they're outside their comfort zone and they're doing other stuff, they shine really well as characters. Well, they seem less two-dimensional. We've moved on slightly, but I'll bring you back to what I was going to say about the entrance bit. We like this. A good example was the interrogation debriefs that they were all undergoing. Hilarious. And I thought both Colbert and Stamets were hilarious in this because they've been taken again out of that environment that we're used to seeing them in. And so their personalities applied in a different environment scenario immediately look a bit more interesting. So Stamets just being generally an obtuse ass is funny when he's facing up against these obtuse ass holograms asking stupid questions and he's like, so were did Deepma say something about that when you see he folding his arms and then I mean Colbert was just a silent assassin with his comebacks where he's like yeah that was murdered but you know I've come to terms with him <laughs> well he said I'm emotionally dead and I was murdered how would you, you respond to that he was brilliant I thought that was hilarious and then of course Rita was just snacking I think yeah. she was fantastic well, she had a Dorito she was just <laughs> tucking in she's going to need something to drink now <laughs> Then the Pierre de Resistance was Giorgio, who just ruined the EMHs by winking and just destroyed them. And then you got the guy that looks like... It looks him. like the guy in the balloon. What's the balloon one? Up. Oh, oh. on the intro. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, Wait. I wasn't listening. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, he looked a bit like Larry King. It's actually David Cronenberg, the famous director. No. Yeah, David Cronenberg is one of Easter eggs. I thought that was a really interesting uh, exchange. We'll come to that, because I think that warrants a little bit more thought, does the whole Giorgio plot line, because I think there's an awful lot of facets to that I think going back to the entry scene did anyone at any point believe that this wasn't going to end badly whenever a Star Trek ship approaches somewhere where they're overly excited we always know it's not going to go according to plan we always know the people who they hope are going to be super mega friendly aren't going to be super mega friendly at all the other question is was there only one window on the discovery that was cleaned for them to look out because everyone was (laughs) (laughs) Every room seems to have a plethora of windows, except for on this occasion where everyone was cluttered around this one window. This one window. Oh, oh, look at that. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Yeah, I hadn't noticed that. Maybe Dave needs to get himself back out there, give them a clean. Because I still don't trust Starfleet. There still feels like there's something somewhere that they're not telling us about. I'm glad they didn't make Starfleet evil. I suspect yet. What are you going to look at? Last episode was focusing on. It was a touchy feely episode. It was about isolation. It's about how people are dealing with feelings we touched upon it on the episode before where things were starting to get a bit heated and clearly we're at breaking point you had one ship on its own trying to find the federation however that looked what you've got now is a federation that's been battling for a lot longer than discovery has has almost isolated itself from everywhere else we've already established it's massively reduced in size and he of course doesn't have the dilithium crystals to be able to move around like it used to well i think they use trilithium now but i I do think they've probably found another alternative alternative source it's just that they're a diminished version of themselves but the thing is is that Starfleet is a hierarchical organisation so the reason why Discovery is trying its best
best to find them is to fit back into that. They've moved on 930 years and they've been dealing with all of the problems from the burn and losing millions of people, closing themselves off. So the discovery we've had from episode two as discovery onwards have been in survival mode. The Federation in its current state have been in survival mode for a lot longer, probably very suspicious of other new people. This new ship comes along, 930 years have passed, all of a sudden they're here. Then on top of that, you've got the temporal war going on that was alluded to in Enterprise. It now deems everyone on Discovery a criminal. How can you be criminal in the future when doing something that isn't criminal in the past? Time travel. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a horrible do you know what keep your time I mean, let's, machines let's not open that Pandora's box it is an oxymoron in itself that you've committed a crime that wasn't a crime but you only find out it's a crime after you've arrived where you were only to find the thing that wasn't a crime is now a crime yeah your head will explode due to time travel they're now criminals and Federation is extremely suspect and are in survival mode and I don't think based on the fact that they've had to hide behind this cloak and shield that they would sustain or even survive a coordinated attack if their enemies that also seem to be unifying all the different syndicates were to attack them they wouldn't last I mean okay you've got the Voyager J which doesn't seem to in 12 iterations have changed shape at all at least with the Enterprise it did change its design somewhere and we did get as far as the Enterprise J at least in concept art that I'm aware of it was a bit cheesy to use the same Voyager design which is intrepid class in case you're wondering 12 iterations have gone on and it's still the same design it's like you're buying a car 12 years and it's the same bleeding model it's like well oh. technically if you own a Porsche you probably do <laughs> that change or a Yugo yeah <laughs> it was blatantly thrown in for the fans to basically get excited about it's gonna be interesting to see how they merge themselves into Starfleet and indeed how Starfleet merges themselves into them because one of the main issues that Starfleet has is its inability to travel long distances and you've obviously got the spore drive which solves that problem in one foul swoop contentious issue which we've raised previously of course one assumes because the Discovery doesn't have any real technology beyond what they should already be able to have so it makes sense that the Federation should now be able to very easily replicate that spore drive technology and one assumes in return they're going to share technology with the Discovery so is the Discovery's driving system going to be like books you know with all them funky things rising up are they going to have the personal transporters are they going to enable the Discovery to have another means of using the spore drive without having to use stamets and the arm dildos you don't know because of course they're still going to be suspicious of discovery discovery are still seen as dinosaurs but ironically the very thing that irks us enormously about this season with the spore drive and the way it immediately makes everything possible they are suddenly useful to Starfleet irrespective of how they feel about the crew or the ship I think you're right the thing that seemed to be very clear was the obsolescence of Discovery they were just going to download the files off Discovery about the spore drive replicate the entirety of their technology get a crew of four people and they're off doing exactly what Discovery can do but it's not the Discovery crew and then they were being assimilated into different ships no it's not established how many ships they actually have you can see dotted around I don't know maybe 10 seemed to be what a medical ship that looked a bit like a hammerhead design I'm assuming that's like a dreadnought class well they described a load of things didn't they we didn't see any of them whether we'll see any more of them over the course of this season remains to be seen I think we've moved past that now we might see it later on but it was just very easy for them to go right okay we're going to break you up as a crew we're we're family now but this is how we are we come as a collective why would you do that it was things like that 
that were a bit disappointed about the episode because it made no sense. Either you trust them or you don't. If you trust them, you've just got yourself another shit and another crew. So why the hell would you start splitting them up and making them spend time on ships whilst dismantling the new one you've just acquired? I mean, it might be as old as a dinosaur, but the reality, well, there's two realities. The first is that actually the state of it is still brand new because it's come through the time doodah. And number two, it's another ship. You ain't exactly got a, an overabundance of the things. So, And if they have got all this technology, why can't they start making more ships? Is it because they've got an absence of people to work on them? We'll have to just play devil's advocate, really, and assume that when they lost millions of people in the burn, they've not been able to replace those. I mean, to go from what you say is 350 planets to 38 is a massive... I mean, I know that's at their height. That's the first time we've ever actually had how big the Federation is. We've never been told the size of it before now. To go from 350 to 38 or whatever it is, is a massive depletion of people, manpower, access to alloys or fixtures and fittings, shower curtains, baths, handles, doors. I suspect there's probably a shortage. And also, if you think about it, you had San Francisco fleet yards, you had the Utopia Planitia fleet yards, and most of the ships that's also referenced in J.J. Abrams' movie is most of them are built in space. So if you are building new ones, you also need to protect them. And because you don't have the access to all of the United Federation of Planets, you're open to attack, which will just destroy them every time you do it. And that's the problem, isn't it, I suppose? What I've done there, right, is I've created a whole new four episodes for you to delve into that <laughs> and show us a story arc where they are building ships. I mean, there's another interesting dynamic which has started to develop, which we always anticipated anyway, but has very much taken to the fore, which is Burnham and Saru. The way that they deal with Starfleet in this episode starts to show the two bumping heads mm. because the styles and approach couldn't be any more polarised if they tried. Saru is the eternal diplomat. Mm. He chooses his words carefully. He's quite submissive about the way he goes of doing things. I assume he's, because we love Saru, but he seems to be trying to play a long game. Yeah. So he hopes he'll get what he needs or wants further down the line having yeah. been compliant whereas Burnham's like no that's a dumb idea I want to be able to do it now because it makes no sense that we can't do it now mm. and so those two styles are very much clashing I'm more on team Burnham at the minute I, I love Saru but the new Burnham I think kicks ass and I'm very much on her approach as opposed to his approach and you kind of get a taster of probably some bigger problems to come with this approach I am on team Burnham one of the things I did like about this episode was you did get to see the locking of horns in a nice way they weren't technically arguing they just she was making a few comments that don't follow the chain of command and doesn't understand like we were saying why they want to split the crew up you can understand from a psychological point of view is divide and conquer you can put your crew in different ships you control all the people individually you've separated them from talking to each other they're no longer a threat a ship on its own that's built up its own dynamic and family structure is going to be hard to integrate into an existing 930 year old federation so to break the team up makes sense from a leadership point of view but she's now showing her traits as a renegade rogue having lived in this future for a year she's inherited those now and I like that about her in fact what we do see later in the episode is when Saru's obviously on the Federation base and she's on the ship she takes over doesn't she as captain oh she's cool and she puts her famous telephone voice on <laughs> and she goes shields up 180 degree turn photon phases to full and it was a very Janeway in season 4-5 where she'd started to lose a little bit of the prime directive let's just do what we can to get back a little bit of Kirk and maybe a little bit of Cisco in the Dominion War time because that was the problem with Deep Space Nine thing is how do you defend a stationary position 
And the answer is, give it a shitload of lasers and photon torpedoes where even the Klingons think they can take over and then get wiped out. Those are the times where you start to see a shift in leadership traits. Saru is the forever diplomat and I think he's just been yearning so long. I know it's only been a year. Well, he hasn't for a year though, has he? I think him and the crew, because they've been isolated for this period for Burnham it's a year, but for however many episodes it's been a week... He just finds his place and goes, we're home. And I was thinking, it's not really home though, is it? Because it doesn't seem like the home I would be happy well, with. Well, aside from the fact nobody said hello when you arrived, they've yeah. all been pretty rude so far. It doesn't feel like home. If that really is what happens in your home, I'd be finding a new home personally. No welcome matters though. No. No. So I was thinking, well, it's not really home. It's a stopping point. But I really did like the clear difference between the two styles. And I think by probably the latter part of the season, something's going to happen between those two whether it's a falling out or whatever I don't know we'll have to see yeah. but I did, that was one of the things I did like about this was just beginning to see what potentially could end up being a divide I think you might be onto something there I think they're going to come to blows at some yeah. point Burnham is so comfortable in the captain's chair doing the captain's oh, thing so she's not shy about coming forward she also has an extra year in this universe where she will have heard things and learnt things that Saru won't do mm. and one of those appears to be the burn I think she already suspects something about the burn that's got to do with Starfleet I think she probably has heard or come across information which implies that the burn was entirely Starfleet's fault in some way and that's why when she quizzed him at the end and he didn't give quite the answer or didn't give a clear answer of any description she's not going to let that go whereas Saru who doesn't have that 12 months worth of invested interest in the topic at the minute sees her as being belligerent towards the higher ranking officers where actual fact Burnham's like mm, we need to answer this question because presumably it will have an impact on where you go forward well presumably you need to know what caused it who caused it because if it's an enemy and you don't prepare for them a second time you build it back up again they just come in and do the same thing again yeah I mean she almost did a thing like Kirk and suggested stealing a ship yeah. at one point which is another indication that she's on that rogue path and the other thing I I was on board for that by the way oh yeah I'm, I, well I love all that classic Kirk all the way I'm happy with that the thing that I did come up with is in addition to my original theory of what the burn is being linked to control and the Borg and, and all that is cast your way back to the motion picture of the original series <laughs> where the satellite Vija, which was basically dusted out because it had rusted and it was Voyager, the additional theory is Bern could be Burnham. I know, it's deep. What? It's called the Bern, but what if in 930 years the word Burnham has rusted off and the cause of this is Burnham? It's rusted the ham pit. Oh, oh yeah. Have that for free. So, me. I'm sorry, people. That's what they did in the original one. It's like They were thinking it's the Borg, like a proto-Borg, but it's not too soon. That's what I thought was the latest theory that possibly in the future something's happened and it's Burnham's caused all this. I mean, for me, one of the things that didn't work as well was the adding in of a mission so that they could prove their worth. I understand why they wanted to put something in that tried to justify their existence. I didn't think it was necessarily a storyline that was necessary. I think it overcomplicated this episode. I thought they had enough storyline and enough going on by just keeping it very star-based, centric whether it be more interrogations and debriefs, whether it be Discovery finding more information out to try and justify a state. When I say it wasn't necessary, that doesn't mean to say I didn't enjoy it. I thought Burnham taking the ship away and making the Observer security team feel sick and just generally... (laughs) 
when they're standing there watching Stamets and Reno and Tilly all arguing and bickering with one another they're like how on earth do you manage to work together and like yeah we just do yeah it is really enjoyed that bit I just it didn't really add much and then of course we've now lost Nam who we didn't really know in the first place this is the bit why I don't particularly think this was needed in this episode we didn't know enough about her anyway she only joined us last season briefly as an addition from the Enterprise came to my mind and resonate that she's actually head of security which wasn't made clear when we were in dire straits the other week and she didn't really do anything that would indicate to me that she was chief of security then suddenly we decide that we're going to tell a whole backstory and then by the way I'm staying on the ship bye so we lose another character that we've now found a little bit about but we don't know too much about they could have easily left that to percolate a new character that we've not seen in any track that I can recall so we haven't really seen this species before feels bad for the fact that Arium's gone and she's staying on board to respect Arium well that respect went out the window in, in between two episodes she was staying on board the ship to respect the loss of Arium but now they're staying on this ship because she's had a bit of a, a reminder of what a family is about and her species at the end of the day we didn't know enough about her to care I think that's yeah. the problem isn't it that's exactly right we don't have enough background information about some of these characters to actually give a shit whether they're around today or not around next week Nam's a perfect example throughout the course of the episode she's been in she's had some spunk about her so she's been quite an interesting character she's obviously a security officer so that's always a cool role to mm. have because you can have loads of fun with that yep. she's from the Enterprise so there's a bit more interesting background to be had about it yep. so there's been quite a lot about her that has been promising but we've never opened the window to learn that stuff no. and now we get five minutes with the backstory that I'd need to watch the episode again to actually digest it to understand it and now she's gone anyway so why would I bother well he wouldn't and that's the point there's two things they could have done well there is if you think about why Line of Duty and the latest Netflix show called Criminal season 2 out now is popular is because they both focus on the interviews these interviews where they were talking to them with the EMHs were just great what Colbert and Stamets actually do and, and even Tilly to some degree is just regale us with what we already know having seen season 1 and 2 but in a way that makes perfect sense to someone who's in the future and doesn't know much about them those could have been really developed and your episode could have been just them just them and it's been done before I think Firefly did it the side story that we need to get to the seed ship to find out why the species that we're going to save we're going to save them another species we're going to save they didn't necessarily need to do that hubris were the reasons they wanted to do that because how on earth was a ship from the past going to solve a problem when they went to right ball drive. drive yeah exactly we've got this MacGuffin MacGuffin is anything we need to do to make you like us more we just happen to have the one thing that allows us to circumnavigate the universe in two blinks of an eye we solve it we've already got the trill to join us by the way it's like oh well done you tick no episode 6 next week guys and we have no clue who the Bairn is we just got a brief mention of Bairn's mum like oh where's your mum no idea it did seem a really half assed way for why you would abandon everything that you know so she's got no family they're all long dead she's not seen them anyway because she's left the planet she's left the enterprise so she's now on the discovery where she knows some people she's been building relationships with those people and she comes across a single fella who's going to die in a few days anyway worst case scenario she could have said look i'm going to stay with this geezer for a couple of days you know till he dies keep him company make him feel a bit better then will you come and pick me up please preferably with somebody else from starfleet starbase who's going to sit on the seed vessel so i can get back on discovery and then it's still manned oh and by the way would there be any chance we could perhaps stop off at this alien planet that we've never been to before so i could perhaps visit my people because i've never visited them since i left at which point we'd have kept nam we'd have no 
known a bit more about her, it made a bit more sense. Instead, we've now just lost another character who we didn't know anything about anyway. Well, there's a whole plethora of lost characters. We lost Buck. Grey was a character introduced, then killed. Or David wasn't mentioned much in this episode. Senecott, as I call her. Or Ayrton Senna. She wasn't mentioned much in this episode of at all. And now we've lost none. What you just described there is essentially episode six. <laughs> Is where we would have gone to Air Planet and gone, why don't you join the Federation? Well, maybe it's a good thing she's gone then because Probably. we don't have to do that, do we? By the time we get to episode 13, we've gone from 88 crew, however many have died along the way. If we lose a member of crew every episode, we're going to be down like 60 members of the crew. There'll be Dave crying his eyes out because he's pedalling a bike to power up the, uh, <laughs> the warp core whilst cleaning the windows and making sure people get fed in the mess. So, sticking with the side plot, quick question. You create some security measures on your ship, which holds the seeds for the whole universe and all its history, etc., etc. Understandable. Did nobody think that it might be worth having a, like an override code of some description that Starfleet's main starbase could tell Burnham and her gang so that when they land on there, in case there's a problem, they can still access the seed thing? Instead, we turn up, we've got fella who's phasing in and out who if he'd have died by the way and we hadn't been able to unphase him how would have got into the seed vault well we wouldn't would we well exactly so I mean it's a massive plot hole and presumably people who write these episodes who obviously do so for a living and probably get paid a decent amount for doing it you'd assume people like that would go mm, bit of a hole in that uh, plot line how can we close that up nice and neat oh well it's alright we'll get Starfleet to give him a like a back end code that you can use if necessary to help reboot the system and then you enter your new password in or you click that I forgot my password button <laughs> It sends you an email. And yeah, it sends yeah. you an email and you reset it. I don't know whether the AA or the RAC still exist in the future, but did no one think about towing the seed chip nearer to their base? Well, it was tiny, so they could have actually they used the tractor beam to pull it out. They could have stuck it in their uh, shuttle bay. Which is open. Yeah, which always Always open. open. And then spore drived back to Starfleet and gone, right, how do we get in here? Don't know, don't worry about it. We'll crack it open while we're, uh, we're sitting in the safety of our secret magic force field as opposed to by an ion storm, which has hit the... The vessel and killed all of the people on it and they've all got a disease and no one's bothered to keep in touch with them yeah you're right steve mm, no i think i'm a bit poor it's all right well we're gonna send someone they should be within about 30 years all right nice one <laughs> according to the onboard computer i'm gonna be dead in three days right okay well we'll see if we can go a bit faster then <laughs> We'll do warp five. Some unholy, holy plot threads there. This seed ship is the most paramount ship to protect because it has all of the seeds it needs to reverse engineer diseases and things. Do you not think this would have been one of the principal assets to protect? Oh, well, why did they have it so far well, away as well? Well, I mean, they must have been aware of it. And also, the discovery, by the time they arrive, I'm sure the doctors in the future would have come to the conclusion we need to get one of the seeds on the seed ship that we can reverse engineer to understand how this happened and yet these old time is from the past going young man what you need to do is you need to get to the seed ship ah yeah why did we not think about that let's be honest if you've got voyager j i'm hoping the ship that managed to traverse seventy thousand light years they've thought about that and gone what if that happens again let's put better warp propulsion on it could get to the seed ship pull it off shove it in a shuttle bay bring it back that's your 55 minute episode there you could do that in five minutes the rest of the 50 minutes on just doing interviews and stuff i think that would have been a nice way to even though we're on 
the star base or wherever it is that the Federation would have given a huge amount of time for backstory a bit more into the band we obviously got introduced to Larry King character which is David Cronenberg who's clearly the section 31 iteration the interview with Giorgio the quite a deep conversation that seemed to happen there seems to be that I could see links to her spin-off show yeah do you remember the X-Files we had the smoking man kind of that type of character yeah and he was quite interesting he didn't say much but I think that's what made his character mysterious and you've got this oh who's this guy the rest of the interviews were been explaining what happened and Burnham going well tell us about the Burn. well tell us what's been going on here what's the Orion Syndicate doing you would have got a whole backstory in that one episode and you would have gone aha this felt much like last season when we were trying to find Spock and it took forever to find Spock and then when eventually we did find Spock we moved on to the storyline itself and it kind of feels like we've done that here Absolutely. we've found Starfleet we know the score so now we can get on with the proper storyline which is clearly this tune and the burn what caused it and therefore what's an ongoing issue that's obviously going to tie back into some temporal thing because Giorgio's in the spin-off section 31 yeah obviously she's in the wrong timeline at the minute and she said in previous episodes that she quite likes jumping from timeline to timeline they've obviously mentioned that Terran universe there's no one crossed over for 500 years and that they're getting further and further away obviously because the universe is expanding they've crushed the empire she's no longer being there to kind of keep authority and the crossovers became less so there's been no crossovers which was interesting yeah they've obviously laid a lot of storyline around Giorgio yeah I'm not sure that's going to be the major storyline for this season I think that's going to be a side storyline that's intended to get her off this show and into the section 31 show Mm. I think the burn and this weird music theme tune thing that's going on is obviously going to play a part and I think the rebuilding of the Starfleet or going back in time and undoing the burn yeah there's two things the main story is unless I've missed something is them getting back home but they can't do that can they well they can't at the moment unless they've just given up on that if I was trying to think of a way because they mentioned about the angel suits don't they yeah and they said well it was set to detonate so it's like well there's no way to get home that we know of but we do know there's ways to get back in time there's loads of there's millions of ways of going back in time in Star Trek every different show has a different way of going back in time we've ended up I think in Voyager or at least the original series gone back in time by accident something happens in the, in the engineering room and next minute you're in the 1940s so we're now fanning around with other things so the Orion Syndicate is a thing are they going to be the big bad now, I suppose the predictions I would have we lose Giorgio the spin-off show is going to happen close to that ending that we'll have to get back to our normal timeline Mm, do we though good point no we don't if we want to tell good stories with new species but we're not though are we I think the Discovery lot are going to want to stay to help rebuild the Federation if we go with the short treks and I think it's Calypso it's already written out of the history books anyway yeah but we already know that season four on the board so they've obviously got another season of doing stuff in Discovery before they leave it that would fit into your thought about it being in the future at a certain point in time it was just abandoned we haven't reached that point yet we're kind of a bit further to that point but I think in the future of where it's just been abandoned having got some excellent news for season 4 Star Trek Discovery have just invested in the same technology as Mandalorian hope they improve their quality of stuff well other interesting point this has just occurred to me the uniform the Starfleet uniform now if they were going to stay in this time period one assumes Starfleet would make them 
change the uniforms. At the very least, they'd want them to change the com badges because, well, I'd want the new com badge because it's got like a cool computer thing in it. Yeah, nice. So why would you not? If they don't, so Discovery keeps the existing uniform and keeps the existing technology, that's got to be a massive spoiler that they're not going to be sticking around in this timeline because if they are part of Starfleet, why would they not adopt all the new uniforms and the new stuff and get Discovery fitted out with new tech? If they don't do that, the only logical reason why is because they're not going to be hanging around. Yeah, valid point. Yeah, I agree. And I think that'll be interesting to see. I don't think they will change the uniform and I don't think they'll change the com badges, not least because of merchandise reasons. Yes. And therefore, if they're not going to do that, then it strongly suggests to me that come the end of this season, they will be heading back from whence they came. Agreed. I think that would be the obvious choice based on the fact that although in the opening credits you see the new com badges, they haven't adopted them. And if they did do that, your show then becomes Star Trek Starfleet. And do we think this is going to then spark off a temporal war, which might then give the basis of a plot line for the Section 31 series, where they're predominantly charged with the responsibility of nipping it in the bud, and their responsibilities might be constantly jumping and backwards and forwards in the timeline, a bit like Quantum Leap, really. Which ironically included the captain from Enterprise. Yeah. Nice little link Thank there. you, bringing it all back in. See, that would tie into all of the things I've suggested as theories, which is that the Burn's connected to Control, which is connected to the Borg, which is connected to Section 31, and it wouldn't be unreasonable having just seen Star Trek Into Darkness with the introduction into the J.J. Abrams universe, that Section 31 works outside of the law. Why wouldn't they be time travelling around for their own gain to get weapons? It's the whole point in the film why the Admiral brings back Khan, is so he can tap into his intellect to build weapons that the Federation isn't even aware they can build. So why wouldn't Section 31 delve into time travel to think, hmm, if we go into the future and get even better weapons, we can control people in the past or our past. It makes perfect sense, but by doing that, maybe what they've done is they've bumped into control or they've awoken a Leviathan. They've gone into the future, they've awoken Proto-Borg, and the Borg has gone, aha, let's follow them back through time. We end up seeing it in Picard, we end up seeing it in Discovery, and then Discovery's gone, we need to stop this from happening, and end up in the future, and Section 31 has created all of this, and the burn is a byproduct of Section 31 and Control, or it's Burnham. <laughs> but with the ham hidden. Yeah, with the ham hidden. <laughs> and we've all hidden the ham. Oh, usually in my stomach. <laughs> yeah. Well, we know there's a shady side of Section 31. You know, we saw it first of all in Deep Space Nine. We hadn't even come across Section 31 in its entirety. It was alluded to in Deep Space Nine. Do we think, is Burnham getting a spin-off? Because they're doing a lot of Star Trek stuff, aren't they? I don't think Burnham will. I think this is Burnham's show, isn't it? Right. She's not going to get another so one. So she isn't going to leave then. We don't think she's going to stay behind and end up in another ship with Buck. But it doesn't then board well for Saru, does it? bearing in mind we change the captain every season well, that's true yeah if that's the case then we know for a fact that two things will happen is they'll get back to their normal timeline and Burnham will be coming with them she's not going to stay in the future and Saru's going to get eaten by Jojo <laughs> Just keep blinking at him. She's going to blink and he'll just dissolve. Uh, shall we go through the Easter eggs before we round up our feelings on this episode? Warning! Warning! Not alert! 
So this week we covered a couple of them. Federation and Starfleet headquarters, we get to see them again, but we now realise that in the old days they were separate entities. They're now almost combined, Starfleet being the government. Because Starfleet predates the Federation, Starfleet was an exploratory organisation, began with Archer in Enterprise. Oh, whoa, class. Whoa! Oh, whoa there! Whoa there, cheeky! She refers to the new Constitution class. Now, I can only assume she's meaning the old style. Now, around the time she was growing up, she would have seen probably one of 12 that were in operation during her lifetime. Well, they make reference to Voyager, but they won't have known about Voyager existing because it was before their time, wasn't it? Voyager was the first of its kind. Voyager comes way, 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 way after Discovery's initial time period. When they go, oh, look, it's the J version of Voyager. They're going, well, you didn't see the first version of Voyager. In fact, this is the first Voyager you lot have ever seen. But you know what you've forgotten? What? You've forgotten the other massive MacGuffin. Go on. The Pawn Sphere data. Ah, so, yes. So if in doubt, right? If yeah, you wanna... but the Pawn Sphere hasn't got future knowledge. It's only got past knowledge. To all knowledge? Well, it hasn't got all knowledge. How can the Sphere know about what's going to happen in the future? Well, not in the future. It's got future information, hasn't it? No. Well, how did they know about the other stuff last week? What stuff? If you've forgotten. Yeah. It's not the Sphere. See Sphere for more details. He didn't know about the Trill. And he went, no, the Trill, if you remember, on the Sphere data, he, they don't know the Trill. Yeah, but, well, no, 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 that's not true because the trill will have existed at the point that the severe blew up and downloaded its pawn onto the discovery but they didn't know if it it's discovery. come across the trill it will know about the trill and about its tendencies for letting squids crawl up the bum it will have known that and therefore discovery will have been able to access the database to know that there's a species called the trill and that this is what normally happens because the sphere would have had all that data but it won't have known about jadzia dax because jadzia dax doesn't exist to answer this properly then what date was the sphere from well it wasn't it was a hundred thousand years old so it has a hundred thousand years of data from the point that the discovery met it it was a hundred thousand years old from meaning all the information it's got is from going back but because it's obviously traveled the length and breadth of the universe it will have acquired data that otherwise wouldn't have been known to starfleet well if that's true then writers a bit lazy then because they shouldn't know about the voyager should they they shouldn't know about the Voyager J. <laughs> they wouldn't have been aware of any iterations of the Voyager. Well, they probably wouldn't have even known about the whole A, B, C, D, E job. Uh, they probably would. You think? What is it? Well, yeah, because this is 10 years before Kirk. Well, would they? Because the Enterprise wasn't called the Enterprise A, was it, when Pike turns up? And yet this wasn't the first Enterprise ship, because going back, it's Captain Archer yeah, was the N first But one. that was an NX one. It was a test vessel. Right. So it wasn't a commissioned ship. That's a true story. Right in, people. Let us know. Well, technically, it this, wasn't. This is a good thing to start abusing us over. The first thing is, if it's 100,000 years old, the Sphere then wouldn't know, in which case, go back to the, what you were saying before, it's a writer error. The, the crew of Discovery shouldn't know about... They might argue they didn't. They were just reading the top of the ship going, oh, look, there's the J. It's obviously Seven the umpteenth version Whatever of... Whatever Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where they probably got that from, but they wouldn't know it per se. The Constitution class has relevance because they would be aware of that type of ship. When Owo was growing up, they existed constitution classes Whoa. and constellation class and I'm trying to think whether the Enterprise's constitution class I think it is I can't remember they would have seen constitution class because that's Avery's Pike's Kirk's ship uh, I'm glad we got that sorted crack on I know yes we've already mentioned this we get the, the Voyager and the Nog 
is mentioned, which is a kind of a nice little homage to the guy who died. God Aaron Eisenberg played the Frengi in Deep Space Nine. Very well as well. The other thing you mentioned was Starfleet. What we didn't talk about is they have gone back to the next generation colours for Command. Yes, I did notice that, actually. Kaminar apparently joins the Federation. Yes, which Suri was overly excited about. We have a mini Federation. The first time we hear the size of the Federation has gone down from 350 at its peak to 38 due to communication problems. So there could be more planets out there, but due to broadband being on dial-up now, unfortunately, they're not accessible. It's not the size, it's what you do with it. That's what I've heard. (laughs) But I'm not folding it for anybody. Sigma Draconis gets referenced in this episode, which is a callback to the star system from the original series Spock's Brain the Emerald Chain is what relates to that where they talk about the Emerald Chain uh, which is the Andorians and the Orions that have kind of joined forces Blue and green mix emeralds, that's why Listen, you just don't get to do all the easter egg drops and go I'm so clever and I know I know what green and blue make when you merge it together I'm claiming that one, have it it. David Cronenberg mentioned before he plays the uh, the guy with glasses and anyone who knows him is a famous director of uh, great character by the way I hope I see more of I him. want to see more of him I hope he's in the spin-off yeah I do I always like it when they introduce a famous director into a film they did it with Mandalorian with Herzog I liked his his witty bants with Giorgio absolutely yeah. well going on to Giorgio what gets referenced here in the interview is that it's her second universe and third timeline which means she's existed in the mirror universe version of the 2257 the prime universe of 2257 58 and now the prime universe in 3188 she's dodging around so I think this could I hope she's getting one of them pin badges for everywhere she goes you know those people who have the hats and the oh, pins yeah. on where have they been she's like a blue Peter badge yeah gold one I've been to Niagara Falls pin look I survived Jojo's running around with a 3188 pin I was here the fact that the discovery has no records that's mentioned by Vance which was destroyed in 2258 is technically down to Spock because he destroyed them in the episode Such Sweet Sorrow Part 2 Saru supplies that they may have been erased by Starfleet which isn't actually true we see Spock yeah but they didn't know that Spock was going to do that well no although it's not to go to conspiracy theory here but it's a bit like the who shot Kennedy jobby if it, there was something untoward there it's written and recorded somewhere alright that information might be buried so deep in the inner sanctums of something or somewhere that only certain people will ever know it exists so there might be one person on the whole planet who has the, the keys to the door where all this information's kept and they pass it on to somebody else before they die so there's only over that continue you assume something similar would have happened here where the records of discovery existed bearing in mind the importance of the spore drive and the like they would have kept that information and it would have been passed even in the deepest archives of section 31 mm. all the way up to this point so albeit on the face of it you're absolutely right there is no record of discovery however if you're the last remaining admiral in charge of the whole of Starfleet one assumes you could probably access this information just to double check that it wasn't a black ops cover up yeah because I think that that would most likely be a black ops cover up with that technology because it's massive that we've never seen it in any iteration of Star Trek even the films suddenly this to keep this quiet has to be a section 31 level cover up hasn't it because they would certainly use that for their own benefits whether it was to swoop into enemy territory they probably would have also included again a breach of the Treaty of Algaron a cloak and device so you'd have a spore drive with a cloaking device you'd have a defiant shaped ship so it was dead small it was weaponized to the max and 
it would swoop in, take what it needs to do, swoop out, extraction missions, the full hit, ideal. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's something that's even alluded on the spin-off show for Section 31, because we don't even know when it's set. The Temporal War is mentioned again. Last time we spoke about that, we saw that in Enterprise, where we saw Daniels from, I think it was the 31st century. Was it? Did we not speak about it before then? We spoke about it. <laughs> you see what I did there, people? I see what I did, yeah. We've not really seen it or, or had much more from it since Daniels were talking to Archer about the importance of how they set their stall out with Federation. News. It loses me a bit as the whole temple thing because it's so vast as a concept and the whole idea of it affecting everything all the time, everywhere. It's a bit like the Marvel film ideas where when the battle's on Earth, we can wrap our little minds around it. But as soon as it becomes a mass universe thing like DC tried off the bat, you kind of go, yeah, I can't really get my head around that. I don't really understand what it is you're saying or doing or where it's coming from. And so you, you sort of switch off and you don't enjoy it as much. Trying to work out how things could possibly happen based on remembering what happened in a previous episode or in fact show. Now find out that it's a crime and that there's the temporal accords in place to stop things like that happening. First contact day. Now, we get the alternate version of First Contact Day because <laughs> yes. April the 5th, 2063 is the First Contact Day. We know in the Mirror Universe, um, this event, which was depicted in another Star Trek Enterprise episode, the Mirror Darkly, part one and yeah, two. Yeah, it was where they just mowed them down. Yeah. In the interview with David Cronenberg, it's mentioned about the demise of the Terran Empire and references episodes in the Mirror Universe, which started with Crossover. Before then, it was Mirror Mirror in the original series. And then since then, I think they realised that actually every series of Star Trek probably required you to do a Mirror Universe episode. Now, before I forget, while we're talking about the Terrans, what do we think's happened to Giorgio? Because when Burnham comes to speak to her at the end, she's like not there at all, is she? She's glassy-eyed, and it's almost as though she's been hypnotised or controlled, or she's been replaced. Could theoretically be she's utterly distraught that her empire has collapsed although she doesn't strike me as that kind of sentimental person particularly as it's not really her aim or her intention to get back to her universe at all she's quite happy just mooching around causing murder everywhere else I'm not quite sure what went on there if you think about canon the way David Cronenberg explains it that there's not been another crossover for 500 years that would mean that the last crossover happened in in our understanding of canon would have been in Deep Space Nine chronological actual order not when the show's came out so I think that you know how cocky she is and how self-assured she is I think that's rocked her world you think I just think something's gone he wasn't trying to play with her mind he wasn't being mind tricked no he was just telling her wasn't he was just telling her facts but I think something has just connected and she's just put in a realisation that actually she's probably on her own for the first time really because I think she's probably thinking about how she I was saying didn't I I think she's trying to work out some game plan and whether that's to get back to the mirror universe with technology she's got from the future to help her mirror universe because bear in mind if she goes back to the mirror universe now it's the future mirror universe so if she's back in that she's got all of her understanding of what she's gained from section 31 her time on discovery she just realized that actually she left and it all crumbled and that's why she's just standing there zoned out which is an unusual thing to see for her because again she's so self-assured one of the biggest easter eggs that i mentioned earlier is the screen when they board and go into the main area of starfleet the star chart we get references to canonical planets the ankari homeworld 
world, which is where the alien species from Voyager comes from in Equinox Part 1 and 2. Haley, which is the Klingon planet in the Beta Quadrant. Cardassia Prime gets mentioned from Deep Space Nine. Cardassia. We never see anything, do we, now of well, Cardassians? See, that's a great point. Think about when we, with Deep Space Nine, we used to see almost every week a new species. And it wasn't just because we were sitting right next door to a wormhole, because that was happening. It was a space station that encouraged in, in trade. They had travellers, didn't yeah. it? So when people came in, you got to witness all the wonders of the universe. That's one of the things, I, my biggest issues with this is, we're in the future, and I just think we should be seeing new species. We should be. Yeah, I mean, having seen the J.J. Abrams film, every time you turn around on the comms or navigation, there's a species you've never seen before. Well, actually, now you mention that, when we were walking around the Starfleet headquarters, it was very humanoid, wasn't it? Yeah. We've gone back to just being good old, normal humans, as opposed to having lots of different aliens of all different descriptions. They've gone with an extremely diverse group of humans, and they've not put in aliens. And the irony is, Earth isn't even part of the uh, Federation. Anymore, so. so what we've done is we're ticking the boxes to make sure we don't upset people to have a diverse humanoid race but at the same time we haven't got any Vulcans anymore no Klingons we've got no Cardassians oh, there's no... loads of Klingons I think George O technically <laughs> is a Klingon yeah. <laughs> but we haven't got any Bajorans we haven't got any well the Trill the Breen they destroyed 350 ships in Deep Space Nine where the Breen finally in the Easter egg section five year missions are no longer a thing <laughs> <laughs> That's because it takes five years to go to the local corner shop and back again, doesn't it? Unless you've got a spore drive, maybe so five-year mission. As a positive political swin, they don't call it a five-year mission, they just call it going to the corner shop. <laughs> go and get a newspaper and five years later they come back. Come back, yeah. Go on then, give us your thoughts on this episode as an overview. Seven. Ooh, he's gone back into his seven zone. Seven, and the reasons are I enjoyed the interview styles, I enjoyed the banter, I liked the development with Culber and Stamets again when they're outside of their comfort zone and they're showing another dimension to themselves. I wasn't overly eager about the seed ship. I thought it just distracted. That was why. If it hadn't been for that, I think I would have given it another six. Yeah, what about you? You see, I normally like to watch the episode twice because my first impressions is always just full of beans about the fact that I'm watching another Star Trek episode. So I'm always conscious I'm I'm overly enthusiastic. So I may make that mistake. I'm going to give it an eight. I actually really enjoyed this episode. I'm going to caveat that with the fact that I've only seen it once. I really enjoyed it. There are some flaws. It's not perfect by any stretch, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was more humorous. We went back to the humorous element, which is great. There was lots of action, which is great. There is new tech and new sort of environments. We're not just looking at the same sets on the Discovery, which is great. We've moved the storyline along and we've opened up some Pandora's boxes for other stuff, which is great. So as an overall episode, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I feel it was slightly back to good form again. And now we can crack on with the big, big storyline. We hope. Yes, we hope. Hopefully you've enjoyed that show, guys. As we said at the outset, if you didn't, let us know. If you did, let us know. If we've got something wrong, let us know. If you feel that you can add some input, let us know. Visit our Twitter profile, vote on the poll. Let us know your thoughts on the episode. And subscribe, give us a review. Happy days, all good. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening guys and we'll catch you next week away team out